wow, I didn't think that was going to hit me like it did, but it did. Um, just this last Thursday, I, I had a, a wonderful thing happen um, that I'd like to share with you. I, I got a reminder at just how much a, a really young child has this just an amazing bond with their mother. So my wife, Julie, she was watching our grandkids on Thursday like she typically does. I came home about 3.30, and normally she would take them back to Zach and Taylor's house about 5.30 or 6. But we were keeping a little late that night because they both had other uh, things to do, and they weren't going to get home until about 8. So Julie got them both bathed, and while she was bathing one, you know, I get to sit on the couch and eat snacks and M&Ms, and I tell them not to tell Grandma that I'm giving them M&Ms, that we're doing, you know, like fun stuff, good stuff, healthy stuff. We're watching some show, and, and my granddaughter, Renly, was not in a bad way, but was really Paul, that's what they call me, clingy that day to me. So when I got home at 3.30, I walked downstairs. They were all downstairs, including my daughter, Kaylee, who was playing the piano a little bit, and Huxley was playing with her. Renly was kind of watching. Julie was down there. And I just stood there for a minute like this, just kind of observing, like, what a beautiful thing. And then Renly turned around, and she ran to me like I haven't had happened since like my daughter was little so the whole afternoon though she was just Paul's friend so we took him home and we asked the kids who do you want to tuck you in and read books to you Rennie said Paul Huxley said Nana which was good because now we could divide and conquer I hadn't tried to get a two and a half year old to sleep in a long time <laughs> but I was reading books to her and as the lights went down and Hux came in and turned this little lantern on that we're supposed to read to, and of course I can't see because I'm blind without these, and I'm like, uh, how am I going to read this book? Renly has this moment where she now realizes Mama is not tucking her in. And she goes, Paul, where's Mama? And I'm like, oh, deflect. Uh, yeah, Julie taught me that. Deflect, change the, okay. I'm like, hey, let's, let's sing a song. So I tried to sing her a song. We read a book. She laid her head on the pillow. I said, you like this book? Yeah, where's Mama? I'm like, oh, we're in dangerous territory here. Read her another book. Hux and her kept running in and out of each other's rooms a little bit in there. And finally, she laid her head down on the pillow, and she closed her eyes, and I thought, yes. And the sound literally blocks away. That might have sounded like Mama, a door closing. She goes, is that Mama? <laughs> and I'm like, and I just sat there and was in amazement. So Zach actually got home. He took a shower quickly, and then he came and laid down with her because he knew that she was going to exceed my abilities and patience, to be honest. But it was just so amazing that Mama brought her that comfort in that, in that time when she's about to lay her head down, when she's about to you know, be, be by herself even in her room you know, for a while, whatever night means to her. She was wanting to spend time with Mom. You know, I know, as we've said already today, um, this could be a really tough day for you. Um, you know, if your mom wasn't all you desired her to be, or maybe who God had hoped she might be, maybe she wasn't even in your life, I don't know. I want you to know that we yearn and long with you today. If your mom is, is, has passed on from this life, this might be a really, really tough day for you. And, and we mourn with you, and we, we hurt with you. If you're a mom, oh, and who's lost a child, I, I can't imagine that this day is also challenging in that regard, in ways that I'd never want to experience. 
and, and we hurt with you, uh, we ache with you. Uh, to, to the moms that are in this room, all shapes and sizes of moms, biological mothers, adoptive mothers, stepmothers, mother-in-laws, mothers-to-be, single moms, grandmoms, great-grandmothers, thank you. We love you. Do you know why we celebrate Mother's Day? Someone take a risk. Moms. No, I'm kidding. Of course it's moms, but really, do you know why it's a national holiday? How many national holidays do you think we have in this nation here in the United States? Memorial Day? Yeah, we have Memorial Day. We have a lot of national... Mother's Day is a national holiday. Did you know that? And, and I always ask myself, why don't I know where it originated? Why don't, you know, maybe, maybe we finally decided to celebrate mothers. But here's why. Following the Civil War, actually during it and following it, there's a peacemaker by the name of Ann Jarvis who made a concerted effort to foster friendship and community between the mothers from both sides, the North and the South, and try and get them to be friends in an amazingly difficult time in our nation's history. She started a committee in 1868 which established the first glimmer of what we call today Mother's Day, and it was called Mother's Friendship Day. And then her daughter, Anna Reeves Jarvis, sought to honor her own mother by establishing an intimate day of observance. Observance. Golly, I can't even say that today. Observance. There it is. And the very first Mother's Day was celebrated in 1908. Here's what I found. (laughs) That's what I found earlier this week, and that's exactly how I found it. Woodrow Wilson, President of the United States, signed Mother's Day into law in 1914, making the second Sunday in May Mother's Day. Did you know that more phone calls are made on Mother's Day than any other day of the year? Think about that for a minute. Approximately one-fourth of all flowers purchased throughout the entire year, the entire year of buying flowers, are bought for Mother's Day. Typically, Mother's Day is the busiest day of the year for restaurants. Now, I think we know what that's saying, guys. (laughs) That they prefer that food more than they prefer what we might make. I mean, I can make a mean peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And even yesterday, I said, Julie, what are you thinking this year? Beer and brats? No. No. Chipotle. In 2022, over 31 billion dollars was spent by Americans on Mother's Day. You're welcome, moms. (laughs) Who knows what it's going to be this year? I thought about this. When you're scared, I mean, when you're really scared in life, what is something that is typically said? I know I've said this. I'm sure some of you have thought this. I want my mommy. I've said that as a grown man. (laughs) And more than once, where I was, I was in a rough spot for lots of different reasons. And I thought, I want my mommy. Why do we say that? Even if you have a wonderful dad, you don't say, I want my daddy. If you were to walk out in the woods and you were to see a papa bear over here and a mama bear over here and the cubs right here, who should, what bear should you run from or walk quickly from? You don't want to run. The mama bear, 
You never, ever get in between a mama bear and her cubs. And if you don't believe me, go watch the reverend. Oh, you never do that. Let me read you a quote from Abraham Lincoln. I thought it was kind of fitting because around the same time when Mother's Day was getting its genesis, he said this. He said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. I remember my mom praying for me and our, and our family at times, but I remember one time specifically when I was in college and I was trying to go and be a pilot in the Air Force and my eyes were decaying and decaying as far as my vision. And I remember sitting on the bed right before I went back from summer vacation to the academy for a fall semester of my junior year when I would have a physical that would determine whether I had the eyesight or not. And my mom praying for me that day. And then her telling me that she'd also had all the women in her women's group and the choir where she was in a church praying for me. I just, that recollection of my mom praying for me, and it's just clung with me my whole life. And thank God my eyes stabilized at exactly 2070, which was the cutoff for the Air Force. Imagine that. Thank you, Mom. Motherhood is a choice you make every day to put someone else's happiness and well-being ahead of your own, to teach the hard lessons, to do the right thing, even when you're not sure what the right thing is, and to forgive yourself over and over again for doing everything wrong. I read that. A lady by the name of Donna Ball wrote that. On a lighter note, someone famous by the name of Unknown, I don't know their last name, said, nothing is lost until your mother can't find it. Now, I know that holds true in our house. Because I don't know how many times I've asked my wife or the kids asked my, their mother, hey, where is so-and-so? Well, did you look so Well, yeah, we looked. I mean, looking is kind of like this. Has anybody seen a water bottle in this room? Yeah, no. It's not, it's not lost till mom can't find it. Ariana Huffington wrote this. The fastest way to break the cycle of perfectionism and become a fearless mother is to give up the idea of doing it perfectly. Indeed, to embrace uncertainty and imperfection. And then maybe one of the most profound quotes that I read this week about this, about mothers. The most important thing my mother said she had learned over the years was that there was no way to be a perfect mother and millions of ways to be a good one. I want you to think about that, moms, right now. Let's put that slide up. There is no way to be a perfect mother. And millions of ways to be a good one. I think a lot of times we can have, I say we, you all can have, but we as humans, we can have guilt for things that we haven't done well and things maybe we've done wrong, certainly in our parenting, in our lives. But learning to forgive yourself and realize you can't be perfect, but you can try again. And with hope and faith in God to guide you, you can do it, you can do it again. You can continue to make a difference. Matter of fact, I would argue you're already making a difference exactly where you are, even in the midst of the challenging and troubling times. There's a wonderful short story in the Bible. It's called the book, it's from the book of Ruth. And I'm going to read, it's only four chapters. I'm only going to read the first chapter. Sorry, that was my mom laughing like, don't, don't read the whole thing. She's still giving me advice that's very beneficial today. 
like today. It says, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, which was to the east, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Just remember that they're from Bethlehem. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. You've got to understand, this is not a friendly place that they were going to. It wasn't where, you know, where their people. It wasn't Israel. They were leaving Israel and going to another country to try and survive. It says, then the father, Elimelech, died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malan and Kilian, her two sons, their husbands, died. That left Naomi without a husband and without two sons, and it left these ladies without husbands. And back in those days, that was a tragedy more so than it would even be today. Obviously, it was painful, but it also meant who's going to survive and provide for them. So it says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah. So she's living in Moab with her two daughter-in-laws, and she had heard that back in her home country, it was getting better, giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Now, I just want to throw another passage up here on the side screens for you, coming out of Deuteronomy. And here's the connection I want to make. Ruth was an Israelite. She would have heard and known this passage from Deuteronomy, which was talking about when Israel was going to go into the Promised Land many years before she left the Promised Land, and then now was thinking, okay, let's go back to Judah, to Bethlehem. And it's coming out of Deuteronomy 31.6, and it says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. So even though she is sad and she's even bitter that she's lost her husband and her two sons, she has some inkling of faith and hope in the God who had had Israel go into the promised land and said, I will lead you, have courage, be courageous, and follow me. And I will never leave you. Matter of fact, I will guide you if you will follow. So they continued, and it says, On the way, Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to two other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? I mean, it's kind of humorous what she's saying there. No, my daughters, return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. These things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. She has said daughters two or three times in that paragraph that I just read. She didn't say daughters-in-law. She said daughters. And again, they wept together. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, 
Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. And I want to put up on the side screen the next thing that Ruth says and read it with you. From Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth replied to Naomi, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Now, that's pretty intense, but listen to the last thing she says. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Now, I encourage you to go and read the rest of Ruth, and you will see this story of redemption. You will see that Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem. Naomi even wants to change her name to a name that means bitter, like God has given me a bitter life. But they happen to arrive just at the harvest, and Ruth goes out and does some work in a field, and she ends up meeting a man by the name of Boaz, who ends up being her kinsman redeemer or family redeemer. And what that was in that culture was if someone passed away, like her husband did, a close relative most likely a brother of the deceased person or another close relative, would take that woman to be their wife and provide for her and give her security for the rest of her life. So this Boaz man, who was a relative of Naomi, took a Moabite wife, which probably wasn't easy for him to do, and this story of redemption that comes out of pain. Did Naomi do everything right as a mother or a mother-in-law? No. Was she bitter even towards God and yet had some faith and hope to say, I'm going to go back to my, my hometown of Bethlehem? And she probably thought nothing good could happen, but the story of redemption is insane here. Ruth meets Boaz. They end up getting married. They have a child. That child has a child, and that child's child was King David. King David wrote a whole bunch of the Psalms, and he is one of the most, if not the most famous king of Israel. So Naomi, even though she was living this rough life, this tough life, because of her hope and faith in God, redemption came. So I want you to think about this, moms. Wherever you are with this mom guilt, wherever you are with the pain that you might be experiencing today, whatever it might be, if there's some sort of pain, is that redemption is always a future chapter in your life song and in your life story when you put your hope and faith in Jesus. Always. It's always a future chapter in your life story. Not maybe, not could be, will be. God will redeem you. That may not be exactly like what you think because Naomi had no idea what was going to happen, but that her faithfulness and her trust in God affected and influenced generations and if you take that lineage from David all the way down, you actually get to marry the mother of Jesus. You know, there's a story of hope and fear, a story of kindness. I, th I think about Ruth's loyalty to her mother-in-law. And it wasn't just out of the love for her mother, although it was, but it was also because she had met the true God of Israel. And she wanted to follow him. She had faith in him because of the way Naomi had befriended her and loved her. 
It's a story of acceptance and determination, of love and hard work and devotion, and as I already said, redemption. See, instilling courage and faith in your children and others that you influence, even in the midst of pain and tragedy, that's being a mom. No perfection needed here. No perfection can be attained here. Overcoming challenges through hard work and perseverance and faith, that's being a mother. With hope and faith in God, redemption is always, make sure you hear that word, is always a future chapter in your life story. So let me ask a question. Who, who in your life has been like a Naomi? Where you recognize that maybe, maybe they're not perfect. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's a, another mother figure. Maybe it's a stepmother, a mother-in-law. Maybe it's an aunt. Maybe it's a sister. I don't know. Who has been a Naomi to you that maybe didn't have it all figured out? Didn't have the life that was just like, oh. But through their persistent, resilient love has helped influence you. I want all of us to think about that person right now or those people. Because maybe, maybe you have many people that form the, a Naomi for you. Maybe it's a conglomerate of several ladies or women or mothers or mother figures. So I'd love for you right now, and, and I'm going to join you for the next 30 seconds or so, is just to sit quietly and close your eyes, and I want you to bring that person to your mind. Would you do that with me? Thank you. Here's what I'd like to do. This, I'm going to do something opposite of what I might typically do. If you're a mother here today, if you're a mother watching online, I want you to stay seated. <laughs> I really do. Take a break. Take a deep breath. If you're a mother here today and you have children here today, I would love for those children and grandchildren, if they're in this room, to stand. Go ahead, stand on up. Don't be shy. If your mother has passed on from this life, and right now you got a real, you know, it's hurting, today especially, I would love for you to stand. If your mother just doesn't happen to be in this room, but she's somewhere else, whether in this city or across this globe, somewhere, if you're able, would you please stand? If you're a mother or grandmother here today without kiddos that are here today, I'd love for you to close your eyes and think of them. And here for all of us standing here, I just want to read something to you mothers that are sitting. And for that matter, I see some mothers that I know that are standing. We see you. We love you. And though we don't say this often enough, we appreciate everything you do. 
from the minutia of things that you do that, quite frankly, we don't probably even know of, to the big things. We see you. We value you for who you are, not just for what you do. Though what you do is amazing to us. We know you're imperfect, but let me, let me say this. You are perfectly designed and created by God to influence generations. He did that. He did that in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. He said Eve would be the mother of all humanity. And you, I think, I think mothers today and mother figures today, and add grandmothers and great-grandmothers, all mothers, you have the single greatest impact in our nation and any nation than any other thing government, democracy, because you can influence people with your brokenness, with your mom guilt, with the struggles you have, you can still have hope and faith in Jesus to guide you and know that redemption is available for us all. So on the count of three, those of you that are standing, I'm going to say one, two, three, and we're going to say thank you as loud as we can. All right? One, two, three. Thank you. All right, sit down, please, if you would. You know, because of, moms, who you are and the life you live and the love that you demonstrate and the example that you have given, our lives are so much richer and more meaningful. You make a huge difference. Regardless of where you are, regardless of the struggle of motherhood, I just can't fathom where we would be without moms. Your influence, I think, is beyond calculation. It's not like you can just, oh, yeah, there it is. It's just, it's immeasurable. The influence that you have on us, on people. And it spans generations. When I think about the impact that you have and how it can last way beyond our lifetime and into your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and beyond and multiple generations, it's, it's just kind of amazing. So thank you. I'm going to read you a little passage from Boaz. Now let me just tell you who Boaz again. Boaz married Ruth. Ruth is the one daughter-in-law who went home with Naomi to Bethlehem. Boaz and Ruth gave birth to the child who gave birth to the child, eventually who gave birth to King David. And Boaz says this to Ruth. He says, and I say this to all you mothers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for, uh, in your amazing wisdom, for creating mothers for creating motherhood. I pray that you would speak to every mother here in this room, watching online, the moms that we're going to interact with today that might not be here this morning. If you would just speak to them and let them know you'd love them. And let them know through the thick and the thin, through the challenges and the difficulties and the highs of motherhood, you're in rooting them on. You're their cheerleader because they're our cheerleader. Help them to know that they make such a huge difference. And for those of us that have an ache in our heart today, 
for whatever reason in the realm of motherhood, God, I pray that you would just speak into that and you would bring a peace that surpasses our understanding to those ladies. And you would let them just experience the unconditional, amazing love that you offer through your son, Jesus. And for all the moms, and for that matter, all of the dads, and for that matter, everyone else in this room, that we have an opportunity that even when we are struggling to seek the hope and the trust and the faith in the very one person who did live a perfect life, Jesus, and not only doing so, then he died in our place so we could have a different relationship with our creator and more like a father and a mother. Thank you again for moms, those in my life and in our lives. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.